are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. I'm so excited that you guys are here. I uh, had the opportunity to talk to my wife today on the phone, and uh, and uh, you know she she and my kids they're they're all praying for you guys. We're all praying for you. This is a family affair. You get to see me, but there's six people represented when you see my face. I have um, I just wanted to give greetings from them. They uh, they love you dearly. We love this province dearly. We love this. Um, Resurgence crew dearly. Wanted to give you a little update in terms of my family because in a lot of ways I feel like I'm family with you guys. I, I've been back here so many times and I just really love what you guys are doing. Um, my Bronwyn is uh, just become a preteen and she's so excited to start babysitting and uh, it's, it's a really good day in our house for Bronwyn, Cherie, Browett. Um, Anderson, my 10-year-old, is really starting to find his voice in terms of his relationship with the Lord. And uh, it's, it's really cool. He still wants to be a ninja when he grows up, which is awesome. And uh, that and a weapons designer. Um, and uh, it's kind of awesome. And uh, he got in trouble the other day for um, taking all the teacher's school supplies and making weaponry. And uh, I was like, part of me was kind of like, don't do that. The other part of me was like, high five, son. That's awesome. That's super awesome. Uh, Benson, he's uh, eight years old. And uh, he, he says hello to you guys, too. Uh, all my family have been praying for you. You have an eight-year-old in Victoria, British Columbia, praying that you'll meet with God this weekend. And uh, he just recently got baptized. I had the opportunity to, in his words, bapomatize. And so I bapomatized my son. And uh, it was really powerful because he's always been the most resistant kid of mine to the gospel. And uh, he, he was straight up telling me to my face, no, dad, I don't want Jesus in my heart. I was like, okay, you get that from your mama, don't you? And uh, <laughs> And, and eventually he, he, he came to me and said, Dad, I want, I, want, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to know Jesus like you know Jesus. And that touches you right here. And then uh, later on this summer, I was speaking at a camp in Nanus Bay, uh, British Columbia, and uh, my son, all of my kids were there, but, but Benson said, Dad, I know I'm not a teenager, and I know I'm eight, but I want to get baptized, and I want you to do it. Now it's special. That was really special. My son, Thomas, he's five. He's the little one that we adopted. And uh, he is just such a little gem. And uh, I've been trying to teach him how to hear the Lord's voice, uh, as I am with all my kids. And <laughs> humans are funny. And uh, we had this wonderful little moment, me and Thomas, in his bunk bed lying there. And I said, Thomas, let's just uh, listen to God and see if God's speaking to you. Can, can we do that, Thomas? He said, okay, Dad. And he closes his eyes like hard clothes, like where he gets sprinkles. And I'm like, okay, he's focusing hard. And uh, he's like, oh, God spoke to me. I was like, oh, really? What did he say? And this is what he said. I think the angel said this. Make God the boss of you. And don't be a robber, little kid. <laughs> I uh, said, so that is so awesome, Thomas. That is really awesome. I love what God is doing in you. It's really great. And so, so we've been praying for you guys, and we're so excited. I'm so excited and encouraged about tonight. I want, I want to tell you a story, uh, a testimony of sorts, actually, because um, testimonies are exciting. It's exciting to hear what God is doing in people's lives. And uh, uh, to set the stage, it'll help, it'll help if I set the stage for you a little bit here, because um, I'm, from, I'm from an island now, and so I'm all about the ocean. And so I want 
want you to imagine the ocean out here, waves crashing. It's all beautiful. Here we got the beach. We got the pebbly, kind of rocky kind of beach. Over here we have a, a, a fishing boat kind of pulled, pulled up onto the shore. And then just over here we have our, my, my, my homeboy fisherman, and uh, he's been fishing all night. All through the night he caught nothing, nothing at all. So he's discouraged. He's frustrated. He's uh, feeling kind of angry. You know, I just, I, I live right beside a lake, like four minutes, five minutes, I'm going to be honest, five minute walk from my door, Thetis Lake. We go there, we go fishing all the time. We went fishing probably about two weeks ago, me and all my boys, and it was so exciting, and we caught nothing. And when you catch nothing when you go fishing, you, you think a whole lot of unholy things. And, and I can just imagine what, 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 what Simon was thinking that day as he was sitting there washing his nets, pulling out the debris, pulling out the bits of seaweed, noticing there's no fish in there, just, just, kind, of, just kind of exhausted, right? And then in walks out of nowhere, Jesus. Like, like, what are the odds of that? So, like, like I want to meet Jesus when I'm doing good. I want to meet Jesus when I'm feeling really great. I want to meet Jesus, like, in a church service when I'm in, like, power Christian mode, right? That's, that's a good time to meet Jesus. But here's Simon. He meets Jesus when he's frustrated, tired, annoyed, and pulling debris out of his fishing net. In walks Jesus. He starts walking along the beach, and the irony is just so awesome because not only is Jesus walking in onto the beach, in also walks an entire crowd of people baited on every last breath that Jesus is saying. And all these people are walking along these kind of super engaged power Christians. The followers of Jesus are there, and they're all here, and here's Jesus, and there's Simon, and here's the beach, and there's the boat, and there's the water, and this is Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him, as they walked in, listening to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets right over here. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water so that he can sit in the boat and teach the crowd from there. Like, let's just take a moment and visualize the irony of this moment. And also note what we can learn from this. Because you see, when Simon was distracted and disengaged and discouraged and surrounded by a crowd of engaged followers, engaged listeners, engaged Jesus people. Of all the places Jesus could go, Jesus chose to sit in Simon's boat. And that's extraordinarily profound if you think about it. Because you may find yourself here this weekend and you are feeling a little bit disengaged. In fact, you're probably on your phone checking your Instagram right now, watching you. <laughs> I'm not watching you, but the Lord is, boom. <laughs> but you come here and, you're, and, you're, and you're feeling, you, 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 you may feel a little disengaged. And you may feel a little bit discouraged. Because maybe last night didn't happen the way you thought it would. And maybe your expectations of what this weekend was going to go look like, and it's been awesome, and you've had a great moment, and you've seen God do some really cool things, but if you're going to be honest with me tonight, in your heart of hearts, you're a little bit discouraged. 
because things didn't quite go the way you thought they would go yet. <laughs> and there's something inside of you that feels very isolated because you look around and you feel surrounded by engaged listeners. And the devil, the enemy of your soul, is trying to tell you that you don't belong here, that you're not supposed to be here, that you should have saved your money and stayed home. In fact, maybe even coming here tonight during worship, like you were singing, but there's something inside of you that was kind of like, I don't want to be singing. Or maybe you had a hard time even doing that. So you came in a little bit late. And I just feel like God wants to speak specifically to you tonight. And not just to, to that person, but to also speak to all of us because there's moments in all of our lives where we feel disengaged, we feel discouraged, we feel disconnected, we feel like God's meeting everybody else's needs but ours. But take encouragement tonight from Simon's real life testimony, his story, when things were totally mundane, boring, it was just normal, run-of-the-mill, every kind of day, Jesus showed up out of nowhere, and he went into Simon's boat. And that's profound, because that's how God works. You don't need to be looking for God for God to be looking for you. You don't need to be expecting a move of God for God to be preparing a way to be able to touch your heart and your life. Like, like God knows you, more than you know you. And God sees your circumstance and your surroundings from an entirely different vantage point. And it's real. And it's hard. But God is here. And he chose Simon's boat. I actually just want to pray for us right now. Lord, would you come into our boats tonight? Jesus, we could be doing a million and one other things this evening. We could have saved our money and stayed home. But we didn't. And we came. And we just sang songs of worship. And we just had a very, very real moment with you as we said, Jesus, I love you. Lord, I just speak against every distraction in this room right now. Every temptation inside of us that says, I've heard this story before. Everything inside of us that says, I, I got things to do after this particular service. When I go home, I got, I got things to do when I leave here. Lord, may we be present in this moment. And Holy Spirit, would you speak directly to our hearts tonight, right now, in the present. Amen. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, and that's Jesus, of course. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to go catch some fish. Now this, this, this little statement of Jesus's would have been extraordinarily painful, ironic, and frustrating to hear. Because Simon's the professional fisherman. Simon's the guy who was out all last night fishing and he caught nothing. Simon's the one who painfully had to sit in the back of that boat, keeping it steady, while Jesus was up front preaching to all of his followers on the, on the, on the, on the shore. Simon's the one who had to sit there and, and watch that whole thing happen. He didn't want to be there. He didn't ask to be there. Jesus kind of called him out and went into his boat. What else was he supposed to do? And so there he was, 
<laughs> Jesus has the audacity to just turn around to him and say, hey, listen, why don't you go deeper? Where, 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 why don't you go a little bit further and let down your nets to catch some fish? See, what I love about this statement is how it's almost like so intuitive that it's counterintuitive. And what I see in this is this whole idea that your first step when following Jesus often looks more like a rational decision than a spiritual epiphany. Okay? And we live our life looking for spiritual epiphanies. We live our life looking for spiritual moments because God does do spiritual things. We know that. We're at resurgence for crying out loud. Like, if we don't believe God does miracles, who does? Right? But we live our whole life sometimes looking for those moments that we fail to realize that God also gave us a brain too. And it's not demonic to think. And rational decisions aren't from the enemy. And there's times in life where we need to make a rational decision in order to have a spiritual epiphany. I mean, come on, like we all agree with this. We had to make a rational decision to pay money to come to the advance so that we can all come into the presence of God and worship together. But what happens sometimes in life, especially in more charismatic circles, is we start to forget that a little bit of rationality is very spiritual too. It doesn't all just have to pop up out of nowhere. God doesn't always just walk on water. I hear this quote all the time. It makes sense. If you read your scriptures, you have one story of Jesus walking on the water. You have several stories of Jesus taking a boat. That's kind of fascinating if you think about it. He has the ability to walk on water, but yet he chooses to take a boat sometimes. So like, like rational things, like, 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 like not everything has to be. But here's another way to look at that. What if the spiritual epiphany actually is in that rational decision? That miracle you've been waiting for is quite honestly right in front of your face. Sometimes you are the answer to your own prayers. Father God, send somebody. Father God, send somebody. Father God, send somebody. Father God, send somebody. Father God, wait. Maybe I should go. <laughs> Maybe it's me. Your first step when following Jesus often looks more like a rational decision than a spiritual epiphany. Verse 5. Master. This is Simon's response. It's awesome. It's just absolutely awesome. I can't help but picture Jesus at the front of the boat. I have no idea what these boats look like. But I'm picturing Jesus at the front. And I'm picturing Simon in the back. And he probably doesn't have a paddle like we, we know paddles, but I'm picturing a paddle. And there, there, there's Simon in the boat. There's Jesus at the front. Jesus says, let's go out a little bit deeper and catch some fish. Here's Simon. <sighs> Master. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. That's a very fair thing to say. And when we live life, we often spend time trying to educate God on the reality of our situations. <laughs> right? God tells us to do something. <laughs> I'm not going to say zebra. 
weird. But God sees more of the context of what's going on. Right? And there's so many times in life where we're like, I can't pray for healing. Cancer is terminal. And Jesus is like, oh, really? Oh, sorry. Never mind. Let's do something else then. Right? Like we don't just educate Jesus. And he's like, oh, right. I forgot. The fall of man. That's a thing. Right? It doesn't work like that. So here's, here's Simon. He's like, master, we've heard, worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But it's his next line. It's the next line that's so powerful. He says, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Come on is right. <laughs> Lord, this doesn't make any sense. But if you're telling me to do this, all right, I'm in. And here is what I've been praying for would be the spiritual epiphany that rocks your soul tonight. Okay. When following Jesus, you can be skeptical and obedient at the same time. Okay? We've thrown skepticism in the sin category. And that actually doesn't make any sense. It's not biblical. I mean, think about what the Bible says. The Bible literally says, walk by faith and not by sight. What do you think that looks like? That looks like blindly trusting Jesus, being totally skeptical, thinking to yourself, I don't know if this makes any sense. I'm not sure if this is real. I'm not sure if this is going to work. But I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to walk. And I'm going to trust you for my every step. Because I can't see it. I, I, can't, I can't feel it. I can't discern it right now. But all I know is that you told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And that's how you change the world. Sometimes we pray, and this is like our go-to prayer, especially as charismatic people. God, I need more faith. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. More faith for what? We don't need more faith. We just need to do what God asked us to do in the first place. It's not the faith, more faith, like a greater measure of faith that's going to make us do these great extraordinary things. Friends, it's not you who heals people, it's God. Like there's something to be said about, about the, the referencing of the faith as small as a mustard seed. Like we, do we even think about that when we say to God, Lord, give me more faith? He's like, you want more faith? Like your faith is smaller than a mustard seed? Okay, I'll give you a little bit more faith so it's the side of a mustard seed, but like, like what are you even asking for? Lord, give me more faith is code for God, I'm scared. Lord, give me more faith is code for God. I don't actually trust you. Lord, give me more faith sometimes is code for I'd rather do this my own way. But in reality, being skeptical isn't bad. The trick is being obedient as well. Right? The enemy loves wrecking Christians, especially the charismatic ones, because you guys are the point of the arrow. 
disciples. Like, like, you guys are the ones who go into the battle first. Like, let's go. Let's go change the world. We believe in miracles. Miracle maker. Well, I can't remember the rest of the words. It's just so awesome. My wife's the worship leader, not me. It's obvious. Right? Like, way maker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. Hey, that's our anthem, isn't it? That is our anthem. It's so awesome. It's our anthem. <sighs> Didn't even know where I was going with that, but it's our anthem. Remember that. So funny. So here's Peter. Or not Peter. Well, I guess it is technically Peter. Here's Simon and Jesus. And they're in this boat. He agrees. Like, All right, fine. Let's see what you got there, Jesus. Let's go back out there. And so they go. And then what happens next is extraordinarily beautiful. It says, and this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in from the other boats. And soon both boats were so filled with fish that they were on the verge of sinking. You, you, you listen to Jesus, and you do what he says, and he's going to bless you so much that it actually not just impacts you, but it impacts the other people around you as well. When we follow Jesus, other people are impacted. And that's significant for us to understand. It's significant for us to understand because what it tells us is that there's actually a lot at stake when it comes to your personal relationship with Jesus. More than just your salvation, but the salvation of others. God didn't just like, God didn't just like accidentally save you. But God intentionally, he intentionally saved you. Because he loves you. And he also loves your family. And he also loves your workplace. And he also loves the homeless people in your community. And he also loves the LGBTQ2 community. And he also loves the, like, fill in the blank. Since when were we able to decide who God loves and doesn't love? And what if God placed you on this earth? Like, just think about this for a moment. Not only what if God placed you on this earth, but what if God saved you so that he could save other people through you? Right? Like, these fish aren't a metaphor for, like, financial blessing. Like, so don't start thinking to yourself, okay, follow Jesus, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm going to get so much money, my house is going to sink. I'm going to call my friends over so I can give them more money. Hey, hey! That's not what this is. No. Not at all. And there's just something really specific about this story that's always captivated me. This idea that Simon didn't even want to be there in the first place. Simon had no idea this day was going to happen. Simon did not wake up that day thinking, I'm going to get so much fish in my boat. I'm going to have the fishing story of fishing stories. And I'm going to tell my children and my children's children about this day for the rest of my life. That's not how that day started. 
This day started out with him discouraged, disconnected, disengaged, and sitting by himself cleaning a bunch of nets. The change agent in this story is Jesus. And what's encouraging tonight is that Jesus is here with us. It's really awesome news. Verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had just happened, he's sitting to himself thinking, my boat is literally sinking. Like literally taking on, like it's sinking down because there's so much fish. And when he sits there and thinks just for a moment and realizes what happens, it says, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. Which is a really interesting statement because just the two of them are on a boat in the middle of the water. Where was he planning on Jesus going? I don't know. I don't know. You're being dramatic, Simon. What do you do? Where, where is Jesus supposed to go? But something bigger takes place here than this little cute joke. Well, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others that were around, others that were with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And what you'll find is that when you're following Jesus, it's going to cause you to reevaluate your personal um, motives and agenda. And in this moment, he's just awestruck with the fact that Jesus just showed up in his boat. Of all the places he could be, the Son of Man, creator of the heavens and the earth, the provider, brings all these fish, and he's sitting in his boat, and he's right in front of them. He had heard stories about this guy. He had heard rumors about this guy. He had seen the crowds gathered on the beach talking. He was there, sitting in the boat as Jesus was preaching. He saw it. He knew. And Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, was sitting in his boat. And he realized, God, I am not worthy enough to even have these types of fish, to even have this type of blessing, to even have this type of relationship with you. Father, forgive me. And there's something so profound about that. Something that we tend to take for granted. Because we look at Jesus as our meal ticket sometimes. And we look at Jesus as this kind of secondary add-on to this great Christian experience. When Jesus is actually the center of the whole thing. He's the reason the whole thing's even happening. The reason you're free, the reason we're worshiping like this is not because the band, and the band is awesome, but it's because of Jesus. And there's this moment that he has where it's just all of this goodness of God actually causes him to repent because he realizes who he is. Jesus replies, Simon, don't be afraid. Which is really weird. Really weird thinking that yesterday we talked about fear. Yesterday we talked about a boat. Today we talk about fear. Today we talk about a boat. But it's strange because all of a sudden Jesus says, don't be afraid. And it's kind of almost like a, a, a counterintuitive statement. It's like, like, like why, why would you even say that? What are, what are you talking about, Jesus? What would he be afraid of? You're afraid that, that Jesus doesn't love him. 
Be afraid that this is too good to be true. Be afraid that Jesus is going to reject him. Be afraid that Jesus could see him as the man that he actually is. Be afraid that Jesus would recognize that he wasn't even engaged on the beach. He wasn't a part of the crowd. And he's going through all these thoughts. And Jesus looks at him and says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. I'm, I'm changing your identity I'm going to use your skill set. I'm going to use your passion. I'm going to use how you were wired. Because get this, Simon, before you believed in me, I believed in you, and I'm actually the one who put that passion inside of you. And so he says to him, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your passion for fishing. I'm going to use this metaphor. You're now going to fish for people. Because you're going to get that. And I want you to remember all those fish in your boat. All these fish that represent souls. I'm going to use you to do things you never even thought possible. I'm going to use you to do things you didn't even think could, could, could ever happen. Verse 11. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Which is like the best part of this entire story. Because here's the scariest part of the story. Following Jesus can change your life but only if you let it. Because, quite honestly, Simon could have left this and just chalked it off as like the world's greatest fishing story. And he could have went back home and started a fishing charter business. Rumors would have went out. Do you see how successful he is? Do you see how much fish that guy can catch? He'd make millions of denarii or whatever they had back then. Like, like, like he'd be rich. Everybody would be coming to him. Everybody would be looking at him. This could have been a, an amazing experience. This could have been in a spiritual moment with Jesus. Or this could be a movement. And we come to advance, and this weekend could be another weekend just like any other weekend. And we come to advance, and we have a spiritual moment with Jesus. And Jesus is going to touch you. And Jesus already has touched you. And Jesus is speaking to you. And you feel this connection. And, and we're praying for some great things tonight. But you can leave it here. And you can be a follower of Jesus and leave this moment in this building and go home the same way that you came. Or you can drop everything and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Can I have um, the band come back up? I didn't grow up going to church. And it took me a while to... Uh, realize who Jesus was. And it took me a while to, to care. <laughs> it took me a while to, to think. Um, it took me a while to think that there could possibly be a place for me inside the church. Um, I made my assessment on God based off of Christians, not God himself. And I saw how, how Christians acted. And I saw how Christians were, and I thought to myself, I don't want to be anything like those guys. 
and I, want, I don't want to do anything that those guys do. And I thought to myself, there's no way I could fit in church. And a little while ago, I wrote a poem. I don't really write poems. But I was lying in bed, and this poem just came to me. And it was this picture of what my heart was like before I knew Jesus. And the poem goes like this. I called it, This I Know to Be True. Because I was convinced that I knew everything. God doesn't have a plan for my life. Nobody can convince me that there's a place for me in the church. At the end of the day, God doesn't love people like me. I'm not going to pretend that I somehow feel accepted. Truth is, God doesn't care, and I feel rejected. For years, this has been my complaint. In fact, I, I cannot stress this enough. God doesn't want to hear what I have to say. My voice doesn't matter, and I cannot accept that God gives people second chances. This has been my experience. I cannot believe that I have a redemption story. This I know to be true. But then I met Jesus, and the Holy Spirit touched my heart, and everything changed, and he turned my life upside down. And now I'm gonna read this same poem backwards. I have a redemption story. I cannot believe that this has been my experience. God gives people second chances? I cannot accept that my voice does not matter and that God doesn't want to hear what I have to say. In fact, I cannot stress this enough. For years, this has been my complaint. God doesn't care and I feel rejected. The truth is, I somehow feel accepted. I'm not gonna pretend God doesn't love people like me because at the end of the day, there is a place for me in the church. Nobody can convince me that God doesn't have a plan for my life. This, I know to be true. So tonight, what we're gonna do we all share a very similar story. I want to spend some very real moments with the Lord tonight. <laughs> because there's a city of people who don't know Jesus. And God wants to use you to impact them. But before we do that, I think God needs to do a little bit of heart surgery in some of us. And so I want to start by going through Simon's story backwards. And we're going to relook at some of the things in his tale. In fact, maybe we'll start at the beginning. Are you willing to allow Jesus into your boat? And there may be some of you this evening where, where this whole idea of Jesus being in your boat, like you get it philosophically, and you are philosophically a Christian and you're here, and you've paid, and you've been, you've been running through the motions, 
But there's something to be said about the fact that you still feel very disengaged, very skeptical, very hurt, very frustrated, very annoyed with details of life. And there's this piece of you that's not really sure if you want Jesus in your boat, really. I mean, being around the crowd is good enough, but to get Jesus in my boat, that means I need to be vulnerable. And for you, I want you to know you're in the right place tonight. You are meant to be here. Some of you, you have Jesus in your boat. Praise the Lord, we're excited. Jesus is in your boat. You've done the right thing. Everything is going great because it's you and Jesus in your boat. But here's the problem for you. Your boat is on the shore. And your boat was never meant to be on the shore. Your boat's not created to be on the shore. Your boat's created to be in the water. And I believe the Spirit of God is saying to you, son, daughter, it's time to push off. It's time to take a risk. Is it comfortable on the shore? Yes, it is. Is it safe on the shore? Yes, it is. But were you made to live on the shore? No, you weren't. Jesus wants to use you to reach people, not use other people to reach people. He placed you where he placed you because he created you to be that conduit. But some of you, you're out. Jesus in your boat. You've pushed off from the shore. But you've been paddling around the inner harbor for years. You've been, you've been in the water. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. So this isn't about condemnation. But are you ready to catch some bigger fish? Are you ready to see God use you in ways that you never thought possible? For some of you tonight, God's calling you into the mission field. God might be calling you into full-time ministry. God might be calling you to, 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 to change something about your current status and to push off out into the water where the people are because God made you that way and you're ready. You've been telling yourself that you're not, but you're ready because you don't need you. You need Jesus and he is in your boat. Some of you though tonight, you need friends. Jesus has been blessing you. He's been touching you. Your life has been radically transformed, but it hasn't been transformed for you and Jesus' sake. Your boat is sinking. You need to get some of what God is doing in your life and start getting it into other people's lives. You need to start discipling your friends. You need to start taking what God's given to you, what God's blessed you with, and giving it to others. You're blessed to be a blessing, not just to walk in your own glory. So maybe that's you tonight. Maybe some of you, like Peter, just like Simon, you need to get on your knees before Jesus, covered in fish, and humbly come back to him. Humbly getting your heart right. Humbly acknowledging the fact that you've done all the right things, you're in the right place, there's been blessing, there's been provision, Jesus is in your boat, God's doing great things, but your motives are off. And nobody else knows it. 
because they see you, they watch you, they, they see that Jesus is in your boat, they see that you're being blessed. That's the irony of the whole thing. God's moving. But if you're going to be honest tonight, in your heart of hearts, there's some repenting you need to do between you and Jesus. You need to get things right. Because God doesn't want a superstar fisherman employee. You're saved to be a son or daughter, not to be a CEO. So you need to own that. And finally, some of you need to leave this, this life behind and to lay it down and go and follow Jesus. For some of you, it's going to cost you leaving this retreat. You know in your heart of hearts what I'm talking about. It might be a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe, maybe Netflix has gotten too much of a hold on your life. And it's not that it's bad, but it's distracting you. Because God wants to do something in you and through you, the likes of which you never thought possible. And God doesn't want this just to be another advance. But here's the irony. It's not up to Jesus as to whether or not this moment changes your life. It's up to us. Are we going to leave here different than the way we came? That's our decision. It was Peter's, Simon's decision to leave his fishing stuff behind and go and follow Jesus. It wasn't Jesus' decision. It was Simon's. And some of us in this room, we need to lay some stuff down so that we can follow Jesus. And I'm not telling you what that thing is. Jesus will. And so I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And the band's going to play. And actually, I'm going to invite you to come forward tonight. And let's sort of spend some time between us and God. And we'll make this room a place of prayer. In fact, maybe even I'll invite the, the, the lead team, or whatever you guys call each other, the, 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 the leadership team, the, 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 you guys. <laughs> and if you want someone specifically to pray with you, we want to pray with you. But maybe you just need a moment by yourself and you just need to talk to God on your own and that's what you want to do. That's fine too. But we're going to spend some time bringing these things to the Lord. Because one thing for us to hear a sermon and be like, yeah, that's good, that's good. I, I'm grabbing that. That's good. Good word, Adam. I'm going to write that down. It's a whole other thing for us to bring it to the Father and say, God, I hear you speaking to me in this area. And I want to pray with a, with a brother, pray with a sister. And I just want to give this to you, God. Because I really, really, really want to leave here different than the way that we came. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just open this night, and we'll see what God does. Jesus, Jesus, we give you this evening. We give you this moment. And we pray, Lord, that you'd speak directly to our hearts. So God, I believe you've already spoken to us. Lord, may we now act on what it is that you're speaking to us about. Jesus, we need you and we trust you. 
and we look forward to what it is you're going to do tonight. Amen. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.